Again, we're on Father's Day looking at Jesus' prayer in John 17, and I'm going to be reading to you beginning at verse 20 uh, to the end, and this is when Jesus prays for all those who will follow his disciples. So let us give attention to the Word of God. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I give to, give to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. This morning as we come to John 17, let's just, uh, because it's about Jesus' prayer, it'd be appropriate to pray again. So let me just ask you to quiet your hearts with me. Uh, and to pray and ask Jesus to give you ears to hear. Uh, that Jesus said he's the good shepherd, his sheep will hear his voice. So ask Jesus to open your ears to hear his voice for you today. Now take a few moments and pray for someone near you that you love and care for, uh, for your family that's here maybe, but just pray that we together could hear his voice. So take a few moments and pray for someone or a group near you that you love and want them to hear the Good Shepherd this morning. Now take a few moments and pray for me that I can hear the Good Shepherd's voice and can relay what uh, he has said to me this week, but also even in the moment, what a word he might have for all of us. Thank you, Jesus, that you promised to show up for us, that you don't simply show up when we're in need, but you live in our need and we need you today. We need you right now, Jesus, to open the eyes of our heart to see you high and lifted up, standing at the Father's right hand, interceding for us that we might know this love that you knew, and you prayed it long ago, but you continue to pray that this love that is the most exquisite reality that we could experience this side of heaven would become the truest thing about us, Jesus. We pray, and we ask this in your name. Amen. Now, this is for basically people that are 50 or 55 and older. There was a TV show many years ago where the main character, when he would come on the stage or onto the scene um, in the show, rather than saying, how are you? He would say, who loves you? Baby. <laughs> you know, he was just a great character and just the way he would do it. 
and I have a good friend who might be watching online right now who taught me this. But even today, if I was to talk to him on the phone, he would say, hey, brother, who loves you? You know, who loves you? So children, we don't have a word for the kids today, but here's the question for your dad on Father's Day. Uh, two things I want first to ask your dad. Dad, who loves you? You know, and so for those of you who be talking to your fathers uh, in different parts of the country, calling them up or sending them a text to say, hey, dad, who loves you? You know? It's an invitation. It's an invitation to ponder what's the most real thing you can know is that Jesus loves me. This I know. But here's the other thing, children uh, and big kids, I want you to say to your parents, to your dad today, is to say, we share the love. We share the love. And this is what Jesus came to do, is to show us the heart of the Father. Now, to see the heart of the Father, you've got to enter into his heart. So Jesus says, come unto me. And learn from me because I am gentle and lowly in heart. Of the characters about Christianity, of the caricatures about Jesus, the most real thing that you can hear and see is that Jesus is humble and he's gentle. With anybody and everybody who will hear him say, come. And even if you're not willing to come, he's willing to go and find you and whisper to you, come. And you'll discover my heart because... Jesus came to show us the heart of the Father. And the thing that we want to see here is this prayer. We see that Jesus prayed the same love. It's got three things, and there's a lot more that could be said than this. But first of all, the love is eternal. It's ennobling, number two. Number three, it's extravagant. Uh, God's love for his people as our Heavenly Father is extravagant. Now, let me say right out of the uh, gate here, uh, as there are some of our kids like to say on the jump or in the jump, uh, as we get started is that for some of you, the idea of father is very painful. It's very difficult uh, because your father was not there. You grew up in a single parent family. Uh, your father abandoned your family. Uh, your, your dad was not kind, he was harsh, he was difficult. That's real. And it has happened to some of us. And many of us would say we grew up in a normal family. But there are ways, because our fathers are sinners just the way we are, that they weren't there for us when we needed them. They failed us. They let us down. And they did not model the first point that I'm going to make here. I mean, I can't tell you, I've spent a lot of time pastoring, counseling with people who've never heard their father say to them, I love you. Now, it doesn't take long to think about that. What does it do to someone who never hears that their earthly father loves them? And then they hear, God loves you. It's kind of like there's a disconnect. There's a disconnect. There's a shutting down, if you will, closing of the heart. But Jesus came to override and to overcome the failures of our earthly fathers to show us what it means to be in a relationship with a loving God whose fatherly love for us is one of the sweetest, greatest things we could, we could know. If you have a copy of the book, Knowing God, um, there's a chapter in there called The Sons of God. It could be The Sons and Daughters of God. But J.I. Packer, this great Anglican theologian who recently passed away, who was a major influence on me in his writing, but I got to meet him one time, 
He says the highest blessing that the gospel offers to us is that we have been adopted into his family. Now, some of you are adopted children, and many of you know, and the joy and the heartache and the experience of friends of yours who have adopted children into their family. Um, One of my greatest best friends and his wife were not able to have children, so they adopted a daughter from Korea and then a son from Mexico. And uh, their son is a drug addict. And uh, I was praying with him on the phone yesterday as I was driving to Charlotte to catch a plane to fly up here. And we were just, we have prayed so long for Dustin uh, to know the love of God. But Dustin and Nikki were adopted into the most loving, kind family um, that you could ever wish for if you needed to be adopted. But the beauty of adoption is that all of us who belong to Jesus is that God sought us out. He went and found us and showed us his eternal love. And this is one of the great realities as fathers and those of us who long to be fathered is is that the love that God has for us is eternal. And the love that Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit share is eternal, but it goes beyond us because he is God. He's the Alpha and the Omega. But here's the invitation today. is Jesus saying, come and live in my story, and I will show you the heart of the Father. Because for many of us, again, the challenge, the difficulty is overcoming the failures of our own fathers. Uh, But Jesus said, if you come live in my story, Here's what you're going to begin to learn. So the first point is eternal. And another way of thinking about this is the thrill of being unconditionally loved. God's love for us is unconditional. It's not based on us proving ourselves, our merit, our successes, our failures. His perfect love is the one constant, the one variable. He's never going to love you more. He's never going to love you less. His unconditional love is unbelievable when you begin to realize how true it is. The truest thing about you is that you're loved by your heavenly Father because of what Jesus has done to make this kind of love possible. But listen to Ephesians 1, uh, verse 3 through 6, where it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is writing this one long sentence in Ephesians 1, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Now, one of the things that I want to just encourage the dads here today is that God has chosen you to be in an intimate relationship with him. He's chosen you to be a father to your children, but he has chosen you first and foremost to be fathered by him. And he saw you before the world. And this is mind-boggling. It gets way beyond, again, what our finite minds can take in. But just think about it, that before the world was made, God set his affection upon you. It's not that he just chose you and goes, oh, I want her, I want him. He says, I love him. I love her. And I'm going to call them to myself. Wow, that is so amazing. It is just, again... And here's the, to what end? That we should be holy, set apart, and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. 
This is a great picture of this exquisite, extravagant, eternal love that God is, has for us. He's chosen us to be in an unconditional love relationship with him, which has secured our past, our present, and our future. If you're thinking about knowing God and want to know how to connect to this, listen to this verse from Romans. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. That eternal life means that you will be eternally loved and loved unconditionally. And there's freedom in that. There's joy in that. There's power in that. There is glory in that. But for the dads here today uh, who are struggling with your children, um, no matter how old you are or how young your children are, um, there's this great promise of Malachi 4. Uh, and actually, John the Baptist quotes this when he talks about the coming of the kingdom, about Jesus, where he said, God will turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the sons to the fathers. That one of the movements of the revival of the gospel uh, in our story is that our hearts are awakened to be connected to each other. Now, father-son could be mother to daughters, um, fathers to daughters, daughters to mothers. It, it, it encompasses this idea. But for our uh, focus here today, um, guys, I want to encourage you to pray that God will first turn your heart towards your own child, the way that he loves you, that you would give your children the same love he's showing you. And there's no greater gift than you can give to your child than to say, no matter what you do, who you become, where you go, I will always love you. Now, that sounds really easy to say, simple to say, but there's nothing more profound that shapes people, that shapes me, shapes you, than to know that I am unconditionally loved. And how do I know that? Because it's forever and ever. It's a never-ending story of God's exquisite hesed, mercy, love towards us. And wow, who would want to miss out on that unless, again, I need to know something else. So eternal love, the same love Jesus knew where he had come from. He knew who he was, where he was going. Um, and he knew this love. The second part is it ennobles us. Now, I don't know how long it will take until God calls a senior pastor for um, uh, Christ the King. Uh, but there's a part of me that wants to be here to celebrate Christmas with you all. I am a Christmas nut. I love Christmas. <laughs> and I love being with a group of people who celebrate Christmas. Matter of fact, Merry Christmas. You know, let's, let's go ahead and get excited. Christmas is coming. Uh, and where I've been a pastor, we have Christmas in July. So we'll have a, I mean, I, I can't wait, you know, and Rick and I always used to tease each other. Rick would say, Clyde, don't start playing Christmas music till after Thanksgiving, you know. That's when you can start playing, but don't start playing ahead of time. Um, but I love Christmas. One of my favorite um, Christmas carols is Oh Holy Night. And one of the reasons I love it is because it's my father's favorite Christmas carol. And my father's in heaven, and I look forward to seeing him. But I love to watch my dad sing that Christmas carol because he sang it from his heart. And if you know the words, it's all about brokenness and sadness. And you know there's a line in there uh, that the weary world waits until it feels its worth. 
Um, Jesus came to show you your worth through the love of the Father, sending him to die in your place, to take all your unworthiness, all your failures, all your problems, and to die in your place so that you would know your dignity and your value and to know that he has made you worthy of all these blessings um, that God has for us. And in that, um, let's, think, let's go back up to Jesus' experience. So um, a couple things happen. One is that when Jesus is baptized, there's a voice from heaven that says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So God actually is so proud of his son. He says, that's my boy. That's my son. I love him eternally, perfectly. That's my son. And I am so pleased with him. If some of you know the song by Chris Tomlin, Good, Good Father, he talks about as he wakes up in the night and he understands God's love for him, he, the first thing he realizes is that God is pleased with me. And again, intellectually you can know that. Emotionally, this is where healing, the power of the gospel, prayer, is for you to know, not only is God pleased with me, he takes great pleasure in me. Now, my children are now 40, 37, and soon to be 35, but I love singing to my kids um, when I would put them in bed tonight, and, at night, and uh, our son Luke, who's our oldest, you know, I would sit there with him by the bed, and we would talk, and, and I would pray, and I'd just say, Luke, I am so crazy about you. Now, Luke didn't say, hey, Dad, that's bad theology. You need to, you know, this is really not necessary. I mean, I could just tell Luke was like, say it again. <laughs> say it again, Dad. Tell, tell me how much you love me. And today we've already exchanged texts. He now has three kids. Um, but just this gift of love that makes you feel special, treasured, anointed, uh, loved. This is what Jesus has come to do for us. When he prayed that we know the same love, <clears throat> you would hear from heaven the whisper, you are my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased because you've trusted in Jesus who's earned this for you. Wow. <laughs> if you want something to encourage you and thrill you today, it's like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Um, you know, when Jesus uh, knows that it's now his time to be revealed beyond the nation of Israel, he cries out to heaven. He says, Father, glorify thy name. And uh, God speaks back to him and says, so that it can be heard, I have glorified my name and I will glorify my name. And at different times when God speaks to Jesus personally from heaven, uh, there's a loud thunder. It sounds like thunder. So one of the things to know about me when you read it, when I put in emails or texts to you or say it even in a sermon, when I say boom, that means there's thunder. That means there's joy. It means the applause of heaven. It is the applause of heaven. And uh, to know the Father's applause for you, again, is what Jesus knew except for that time where he had to go and stand in our place where we deserve to never be uh, experienced that kind of applause, if you will. Uh, this past week, <clears throat> I read through a, a 
blog that I read, this guy has discovered this woman who goes by the musical name Nightbird. Um, maybe some of you saw it. Uh, that's her, her name as a singer, songwriter. Uh, she is facing a terrible cancer diagnosis, but she went on the Americans, America's Got Talent show and she wins the golden buzzer. I encourage you to go listen to her sing that. But my uh, friend who wrote this blog said when he saw her sing that, it's not an explicitly Christian song, but she's got 2% survival from the cancer she has. And the way she sings this song, it's got such depth and beauty to it. I'm not a crier, but I want to be on, I wept as I watched her sing this song. And then he found in her, in some of the things she's written, this is what she, uh, she wrote. Um, I see mercy, this is, her name is Jane, um, Night, goes by Nightbird. I see mercy in the dusty sunlight that outlines the trees in my mother's crooked hands and the blanket my friends uh, left for me and the harmony of the wind chimes. It's not the mercy that I ask for, for it is mercy nonetheless. And I learn a new prayer, thank you. It's a prayer I don't mean yet, but will repeat it until I do. Call me cursed, call me lost, call me scorned, but that's not all. Call me chosen, blessed, sought after. Call me the one who God whispers his secrets to. I'm the one whose belly is filled with loaves of mercy that were hidden from me. I love that image, you know, loaves of mercy in my belly. Even on days when I'm not so sick, sometimes I go lay on the mat in the afternoon light to listen for him. I know it sounds crazy and I can't really explain it, but God is in there. Even now, I have heard it said that some people can't see God because they won't look low enough. And it's true, look lower. God is on the bathroom floor. This brings us to the, just the extravagance of God's love for his broken people, us flickering wicks, our bruised read experiences that God is there. Now, she gives us an insight in how do you understand this eternal, this ennobling, and then extravagant love. She says, you gotta look lower. So often we're looking up, we're looking out, we're looking to other people, but we're not looking low enough. And again, it's an image, it's a metaphor for, look how low Jesus went for you. He went bankrupt for you. He went penniless for you. He spent everything he had so that he could purchase you to know the heart of God the Father. What a gift, what extravagant love. For God so loved, he gave his son, Jesus got to be a part of this extravagance and that he would come and lay down his life for you, that you would believe and have this unconditional love, this ennobling love, this extravagant love. He who was rich became poor so that if you know Jesus today, you are rich in the riches of God. And God wants to thrill you again today with how much he loves you. Now here's the real test, do you feel that? The feel of faith, the feel of faith integrating with your intellect is that you feel the love of God. You feel God whispering to you, I will provide for you, I will protect you, I will help you. 
I will show you what you need. Jesus knew the extravagant love of the Father in so many ways, and there's so many stories in the gospel that we, where we could go, but there are two experiences where we see a glimpse of this extravagance. Jesus, after he's baptized, this is my beloved son and a lot of you who are now following Jesus and are maybe becoming renewed in the gospel. Jesus goes from the affirmation of the Father into the battle. The enemy comes after him. He goes in the wilderness. He's tempted. 40 days, comes out of that. And then you can read this in Matthew. It says that God sent angels to minister to him. That's extravagant love to Jesus. God sent angels to Jesus to minister to him. We go to the garden, remember, where he's praying out, God, if it's possible, take this cup for me. And what happens when he's at the point where the disciples have fallen asleep, he's all alone, he is washed out, wiped out. God sends an angel to care for Jesus. Friend, there are angels in your story. There are people, but at times, God does show up with angelic beings. Um, it's unusual, it's extraordinary, but for Jesus, what was it like for him to feel that? God knew I needed physical presence from someone that knows me and cares for me, and he got it in these angels coming to him to help him. And so because of that, in this extravagant love, Jesus is exalted. So again, listen again to this familiar passage where it says, have this mind among you, among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, he went low. How far did he humble himself? By becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And my friend, if you are here today visiting, um, I, it's an invitation when I call you friend. I realize we don't know each other, but I'm trying to say there is a friendship with God that you can know if you could see that Jesus poured it all out at the cross. He died in your place so that you would know the love of God and not fear rejection or judgment or eternal loneliness. Uh, Jesus humbled himself even to death on a cross. Therefore, here's extravagance. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now listen to this, to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, again today for this unfailing love, this commitment to be real to us beyond our wildest dreams so that we can know together um, this love that will not let us go, this joy that seeks us in the pain. We will not close our hearts to you today, Lord Jesus. Help those who are struggling who still feel committed to staying safe rather than being able to open themselves to you, to open their hearts to you and experience the grace that is there for them. And we pray this, Jesus, in your name.